May I speak in the name of the one true living God, the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning to you all. We're going to look together at Psalm 2. Uh, hopefully you have that open in front of you. Uh, when we read the remarkable life of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, we notice that it, life just seemed to work for him, didn't it? In everything, in every circumstance, in every time. Jesus lived what the Bible and, in fact, all of us would have to describe as the blessed life. For him, everything was good on the inside and on the outside. Whether it was his ability to control the elements, the wind and the weather, to answer all the difficult, difficult questions, to understand how life really works. When Jesus was hungry or needed something, it was just there in the most remarkable way. Remember those stories when he needed money to pay his tax? He went and found it. Jesus had no fear at any stage even of wild animals. If he wanted to get somewhere, he could get somewhere. Even if there was a lake or water in front of him, that didn't bother him. He'd walk across it. He was able to enjoy peaceful sleep, even when all sorts of things and pressures were going on. As Pauline, my wife, reminded me the other day, Jesus was never hurried, never flustered or stressed. Jesus truly lived the blessed life, a life that Adam and Eve tasted oh so briefly right back at the very beginning. Yet since they turned from Jesus and rejected him in Eden, all human beings have lost that blessed life. None of us could truthfully say that we share the blessed life of Jesus. We struggle with all sorts of things. Sleep can be difficult. The elements are against us. We're plagued by sickness and disease. It's by stress and sweat that we have to work, even to achieve the simplest tasks and gain moderate success, which seems so small. Fear sometimes lurks around every corner, and peace seems so difficult to find and passes so quickly. What a contrast. Only Jesus is the one who lives the truly blessed life. He is the blessed man. He alone lives life as it was always meant to be. And as Rob showed us last week as we started our series of studies in Psalm 1, the start to one of the most popular and powerful books in the Bible is so exhilarating, so freedom-giving, so transforming, so full of joy because it points us to him, the one blessed man who lived the blessed life. Because of the way that Psalm 1 is sometimes translated in some Bibles, it can feel as though the start of this book is rather disappointingly putting us under greater pressure. Some translations of Psalm 1 verse 1 say, blessed are those who, as a, instead of saying blessed is the man or blessed is the one, so blessed are those who gives the impression that we might achieve blessing and the blessed life if we try hard to do those things mentioned in Psalm 1. But if the entrance gate to the most beautiful and powerful book, the book that we call the Psalms, if the entrance gate to that is the message, you can be blessed if you just do better, or you can be blessed if you reach these standards and match up to the mark, that's not great news. That just feels like relentless oppression and pressure day in, day out to achieve. But that's not at all what Psalm 1 tells us, is it? As Rob showed us so clearly and powerfully last week, the contrast in Psalm 1 is not between two groups of people. 
no, primarily the contrast in Psalm 1 is between the one blessed man, Jesus, who lives the blessed life, and then everyone else who doesn't. Jesus is the one described in Psalm 1 as delighting in the law of the Lord, in meditating on it day and night. Jesus is the one who avoids the way of sinners and mockers. We, as we saw last week in Psalm 1, are the ones described as the wicked. We are like chaff, that empty shell that's discarded. It's passing, it's worthless. He, Jesus, is like a mighty tree, bursting with never-ending life. Rob said last week that Jesus, the tree, is like stability and vitality. So the question we're left with at the end of Psalm 1 is, how can we pointless, worthless, discarded chaff. How can we share his blessed life? How can we change from being wicked and worthless to share and live the remarkable life of the blessed one or the blessed man of Psalm 1? Well, that's the question that Psalm 2 answers for us. Psalm 2, which is one of the most, if not the most, quoted psalm in the New Testament, is all about Jesus. Some have said that Psalm 2 was used at the coronation of Old Testament kings. We don't find that anywhere in the Bible. In fact, every time Psalm 2 is quoted in the New Testament, it's always about Jesus. Have a look at the end of Acts 4 if you want a great reference, but there are many. And we see clearly that it's about Jesus if we look at verse 2. Verse 2 of Psalm 2 talks about the anointed one. That is simply the word Messiah or Christ. So the psalm is about God the Father and his anointed one, his anointed king, his son, who is Jesus. And Psalm 2 begins, as you notice if you look at verse 1, with a question. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? It's a why question. I wonder, do you know people who ask lots of why questions of God? I know lots of people like that. Why doesn't God appear to me? Why does God allow suffering? Why does God want me to do this or not want me to do that? And of course, some of these are really good questions to ask. But this psalm begins the other way round with a question from God for all people, for all humanity, for all the nations, or those that Psalm 1 has described as wicked. Why is the question, why do the wicked, why do we conspire against God the Father and God the Son? Why do we say, according to the way that verse 3 is translated by some, Let's get free of God. Let's cast loose from Messiah. That, so sadly, is our natural attitude. All of us, from time to time, think that the God of the Bible is out to get us. That he's against us. That he wants to stop us having fun, doing exciting things, living a great life. Bizarrely, we think that the way of life presented by the living God is... It's like being a prisoner. It's like being caged or being fettered, being tied in chains. Despite the fact that the very first words of the living God to human beings all the way back in Genesis were, you are free. The very first words, you are free. Yet still we feel he is out to restrict us and to ruin our lives. We don't always say this, but deep down we believe the lie that Satan first whispered to Eve in the Garden of Eden. God is trying to stop you having fun. He's trying to keep you from being blessed. And the question of the living God that starts Psalm 2 is why? Why that attitude? 
Why do people, all people, seek to rebel against the living God and his blessed one, the man full of life, the blessed and anointed son? So that's a really good question to ask ourselves at the start of each day. As we begin each day and we pray and we read our Bibles and we seek to set our minds straight, what a great question to ask. Why would I not live the way of Jesus today? Why would I seek not to follow in the footsteps of the one who loves me, who cares for me, my Savior, the one who rose to eternal life and invites me to share that life? Why wouldn't I do that today? We don't follow hard after Jesus as much as we should. None of us, and ultimately, as verses 4 and 5 tell us, being on the wrong side of the living God is futile, it's pointless, it's also dangerous. Look at verses 4 and 5. The one enthroned in heaven laughs at this rebellion. The Lord scoffs at them, then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. If I discover uh, an infestation of ants somewhere near my house, so much so that they're getting into the house and causing problems, I'll deal with them in whatever way I see fit. And I wouldn't be the slightest bit intimidated if I found out that those ants were meeting together to decide how they were going to stop me. <laughs> They're ants. What can they do? It's pointless. It's futile. Even so, in the face of the living and eternal, all-powerful God, we are like ants, or as it says in Isaiah, like grasshoppers. Yet despite our pathetic and laughable rebellion, how does the Father respond? How does he deal with us? Well, in verse 6, he presents to us his son, the King, Jesus. The Father could have dealt with us as I might deal with an infestation of ants or with a nuisance fly. Rather, God the Father sees and knows how we act, knows how rebellious we are, and yet presents his beloved son to us and says, here we are. This is the answer. We can work this out. We can deal with your rebellion. The King, Jesus, is presented for us as Savior and Rescuer. And before we see in just a moment how the Son, how Jesus will achieve this, we see in verses 7, 8, and 9 who Jesus is. Jesus himself speaks in verses 7, 8, and 9 and says, I will proclaim the decrees of the Lord. He, God the Father, said to me, You are my Son. Today I have become your father. Do you remember those great words we heard at Jesus' Jesus's baptism at the beginning of his public ministry? Jesus goes on, Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. So we find the father has given all power and all authority to his son, the king, the blessed man. He's not able to rule. He's not only able to rule, but he's also able to destroy it all and to destroy those who persist in rebellion. We saw this in Psalm 1, didn't we? The psalm ended with those chilling words, the way of the wicked will perish. And we know that we are those wicked ones. The Jesus of the Bible, the real Jesus, is the one who has all power and all authority such that he can destroy all things as easily as I might destroy a pot. It's right for us to fear him, to tremble before him, as this psalm says, to try. It, it seems right that we to try and flee from him, someone that's that powerful and that could destroy us. We are wicked. We are like chaff. We could, according to verse 12, be destroyed in our way. 
However, the great news, the gospel news, the gospel message in a nutshell is presented to us so clearly in the closing verses of Psalm 2. The blessed man Jesus is the one who could destroy us, but actually he is the answer to our rebellion. In these verses, we're told exactly what to do to be rescued from the judgment, to be transformed from being worthless, discarded, wicked chaff into solid, beautiful, life, lively, full of li life, blessed people. We see it most clearly perhaps in that last verse, verse 12. Look at verse 12. Kiss the son is the, is the uh, instruction. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. Not flee from him, but run to him. In other words, come to Jesus. Love him. Be devoted to him. Submit ourselves to him. Serve him. Follow him. It's more than just bow down to him, as some translations have it. This describes a relationship of love that we're drawn into, that we're called, that we're invited to share with Jesus. And to what end? What will the outcome be of that? The glorious goal we've been longing for in the very last line. Do you remember Psalm 1 began with, blessed is the one. Psalm 2 ends with, blessed are all who take refuge in him. That's the answer. That's how we are transformed from worthless, wicked, to become able to share the blessed life of the blessed man. Not by trying harder, not by reading our Bibles more, not by attending more prayer meetings. These are all, and much, much more, grateful, joyful responses to what he's done. But we become blessed and start to enjoy the blessed life of the blessed man Jesus by kissing the Son, by lovingly submitting ourselves to Jesus. Then we can start to share, to taste, to enjoy that life of rest, of peace, of joy, free from fear, having all that we need, restful sleep, joyful fellowship, stressless activities. The blessed life of the blessed man is available to all who take refuge in him. If today as you watch or listen to this, you recognize that your life doesn't work in the way that it worked for Jesus, please kiss the Son. Come to Jesus. Take refuge in him. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing now, today or this week, reflect on this. Reflect on the blessed man Jesus and cling to him. Take refuge in him and be blessed.